Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Hello and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo with Stewardship and Mission of Faith, and I'm joined by the trio of Toms, my brothers, Tom the <laughs> Angels, Tom Fertile and Tom Terrace. How are you guys doing? Hey, Rob. Great, Rob. Great to be here. Good to, good to be with you guys in this uh, Advent journey. Uh, welcome to those who have been with us before. Uh, Folks that are used to listening to uh, to Reflections from the Heart, welcome back. For those who are new, uh, it is a gospel reflection, which means we're going to look at the gospel for the coming Sunday, and uh, we're going to read it, we're going to reflect upon it, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to uh, to enlighten our hearts and our minds to see uh, where God may want us to to live the gospel each and every day. So we're not just hearing the gospel for the first time on Sunday, we're, we're really praying through it together. So if you have a a Bible, or if you have access to technology where you can look up the reading, it's uh, Luke 3, 1 to 6. Luke 3, 1 to 6. And before we read the gospel, Tom, if you can open us up with a prayer, I'd appreciate that. Absolutely. <clears throat> Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Father, as we move through this Advent season with eager anticipation to commemorate your gift to us, your Son coming to the world. We ask, Father, that you help each one of us to prepare the way, to prepare our hearts, to prepare our families, our schools, our churches, our communities, our country, our world, that we may be the lights that prepare the way for your Son, that we may join in the salvific work and evangelize and bring his name to all corners of the earth, to all whom we encounter as his witnesses, so that all may rejoice with you in heaven. We ask for the grace, the strength, the courage, and the humility to be faithful disciples in all that we do. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, Tom, if you can read the gospel, Luke 3, 1 to 6. Okay. A reading from the gospel according to Luke. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Licinius was tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the desert. John went throughout the whole region of Jordan, proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it was written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one crying in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. Winding roads shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall, shall see the salvation of God. The gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. The... Uh... The word that jumped out at me, actually, the, the few words, uh, a voice of one, a voice of one. And uh, so many times in my life, I'll, I'll look out and look at situations or, or opportunities to, 
serve maybe and and I look beyond one like we we need more people or we need more resources and and it sometimes holds me back and um I was really given a kiss I think from God this week at the power of one right the voice of one and it was at a basketball game my son's basketball game he plays uh for his high school basketball team. And I was sitting in the stands the other night and there was a guy that I hadn't seen in years in the stands. And uh, and we sat next to each other and connected and he said, why are you here? I said, my son's a freshman. You know, you know last time he saw me, I was, you know, he's a little bit older. I was, I was probably still in school. And uh, I said, why are you here? He said, well, my son's the manager. And I looked over and his son, Bobby, is uh, a young man has Down syndrome and is the, the manager for the last three years for the basketball team. And I said, oh, that's awesome. That is so cool. And he told me the story. I said, you know, how, how's he doing in school? So he goes to the, to the high school and he said, well, he had a really tough time transitioning from middle school to high school. And he was just eating alone and just, you know, it was a real, real tough transition. So he reached out to the basketball coach who he knew and said, is there any way Bobby can help you you know, be the manager, just, just, just to, you know, hang out with the guys? He said, absolutely. So, he invited him to, uh, to, to be the manager, and it just so happened that one of the, the star athletes, you know, three-sport athlete, basketball, football, lacrosse, he's actually playing Division One lacrosse now, uh, was injured at the time. So he wasn't involved in the practice. He was just on the sideline. So he and Bobby struck up a conversation that first day that turned into a friendship that to this day, they're best friends. He said they talk every day, mm-hmm. even from college. You know, Bobby mm-hmm. calls him or he calls Bobby. You know, whenever he's home, he takes him out to lunch. And it it transformed Bobby's high school experience because now this, you know, this star athlete is taking a liking to this guy and including him and he's eating at the lunch table with them and he started helping with football and, and it just was totally transformative. And I said, isn't it amazing what, what one person can do, mm-hmm. right? And earlier before hearing this story, I saw... Uh, an expose on, on Chris Long from the Eagles. And it showed what his passion was, which is, uh, I'm pretty sure it was about literacy, you know, in, in, especially with inner city. And it showed him with a bunch of teens. And this one teen challenged him and said, well, you have a platform, I don't. So how can, you know, what can I do to, to be effective in the community? I don't, I don't have a platform like you do. And beautifully, he just looks at this young man and says, you don't need a platform. If you can affect one person's life, that's, that's a pretty good thing, right? That's a life well lived. So the voice of one, the power of one, one person just stepping into opportunities to be God's voice, to be the voice of the Father that the world needs to hear, right? To be the touch of the Father that the world needs to feel, to be the face of the Father that the world needs to see, that, that through our relationship with Jesus Christ, with him living in us and, and with us and through us, we can be that voice of God's love in the world. You know, um, I was just thinking um, when you said, you know, Robin, you're talking about just affecting one person's life. I was thinking, you know, we, especially sometimes I think here in the ministries that we're in, we're thinking in terms of masses of people or how many people can we, you know, we engage in in the ministry or whatever. But um, I'm thinking about, you know, sometimes we overcomplicate things. We really just need to keep it simple. And, I, and I'm, I'm thinking about it particularly because one of the one of the towers of strength in our parish, uh, Dr. Jerry Kaiser, passed away this past week, 
And uh, and all the time he had been taking care of his wife, who his dementia was getting progressively worse. He's in, you know, they're in their late 70s, early 80s. He was taking care of her. He's an MD. But at the same time, he had advanced prostate cancer, which I understand um, doesn't have a bit, take a big toll until the last few years or months. And um, but he always used to say he'd sit with us at our gospel reflections once a week, you know, and and he always used to he'd listen and listen and listen. And at the end of all of our discussions, he would say, you know, I think we're overcomplicating this. It's really simple. It's just this one, you know, one person, one relationship, one thing. And so I was just thinking about that. That came back to me after. You know, we, he it came up also earlier this week in our gospel reflection about his presence, because as a physician, that's what he used to do. I remember he was our family doctor for years before he retired, and uh, he'd just take each patient, each kid, each child, each parent, and he would just talk directly to you. You know, he would he would engage you. He wouldn't you know he wouldn't try to put on airs. He would make you feel comfortable, and he just affected one person at a time in his in his life and. Uh, and so it's it's exactly what you're saying, and that's what came to mind when, you know, I was thinking about that. He was a he was a great man, but he was also very humble. Like people didn't realize all the people that he had affected and all the people who showed up for his funeral, for example. You know, just because of his life, because of the, the one person at a time. You know, he touched for 80 years probably. It's interesting, Tom. You mentioned him as a as a doctor, and I didn't realize that he uh, was called home. Uh, I, I met him. Almost, I think it was the oh, first yeah. time I was at your parish. Right. Yes, I'm not, I'm not from around here, and he's one of the first guys I met. And uh, what a welcoming, you know, what yeah. a welcoming experience that was. So, uh, Lord, please have mercy on him, and uh, we'll just keep his family in prayer. And I was just thinking of of a story I'd heard from another physician who actually was a sales rep. He sold two physicians, then he became a physician, and then he started, and then he trained salespeople that sold to physicians. Yeah. And he did this exercise when I was, I used to be in pharmaceutical sales, and he did this exercise in front of all the, the new salespeople. And he said, all right, time me. And he did a one-minute encounter, you know, where he was the doctor, and one of us was the patient, and it was both a minute. And the, and the first encounter was him looking at his clip, clipboard and just talking to the clipboard, asking questions, writing notes, and then, you know, filling out a you know, prescription and giving it to the person, the person leaves. One minute. The next one was... No clipboard, sat at the edge of the bed or at the table, touched the, the patient's shoulder, looked him in the eye, talked. I mean, it was exactly the same amount of time, but you just felt, you know, the observers in the room just felt the difference, right? So it's that one-on-one encounter that instead of looking at this person as this another, you know, mother reason that I'm doing more paperwork, let me get through this mm-hmm. and do the paperwork while I'm with the person so I don't have to do it after, you know, you just felt the difference, right? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just picturing him as a physician. I can just see him doing that. And then the other story of the power of one was a salesperson who got in to see the doctor that no other salesperson was allowed to see, that he refused. He had a policy. I don't see any salespeople except this one guy. And people are like, why? Like, what, like, how, like how are you getting in? He's like, I have no idea. And I said, I'll ask him. So... You know, one of their encounters when he called him back, he said, you know, I just have to ask you, I really appreciate your time, but all the other salespeople are just scratching their heads as I am. Like, why are you allowing me to come back and, and take some of your time to, to talk to? He says, you know, the, 
the kid that that sweeps up at night, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, that that boy, and he had special needs. He's like, oh yeah, I know Joey. It's like, well, that's my son. Hmm. No one gives him the time of day, and you didn't know that he was my son, and you talk to him, you hang out with him, you laugh with him, you pay attention to him. So here, he wasn't doing it to try to gain access to the doctor. He had no idea it was the doctor's son. And, uh, you know, the power of one. So, yeah. you know, do we have an audience of one? Like Carson Wentz, you know, he has AO1, right? Audience of one, that's his, that's his thing, that we do all things for the audience of one, God the Father, that he's got is looking at all that we do. And we don't do it because we're afraid what he's going to think. We just do it because we love him. And, and a way to show our love is by treating that one person with uh, extra special and, love. And focusing on that, the task at hand that he puts in front of us. I think, you know, Tommy said it about how we want to save the world and yeah. you know, which has been done already in case yeah. we forgot that, but, <laughs> but we, but we lose, we lose sight of the, what's right in front of us. Uh, Cause we, we want the bigger, grander accomplishment. And again, I like to re resort, you know, relate things to normal life. We want financial stability. You know, we look at the end result. Well, okay then you know, don't go spend 20 bucks on that thing you don't need. That's how it starts for what's in front of you. I don't, but I don't want to deal with what's in front of me, you know, or, or health. I want to be fit. I want to be, you know, I want to be ripped. I want to be in good shape. Well, put down the butter and go take a walk, you know, but we yeah. don't, we want the end without looking at, you know, and I can go on and on, you know, music, you know, you want to, you know, you want to be amazing on the guitar. What starts with plucking very painfully that E string for a while until you get proficient at it, you know, but all these, all these parallels in life, right? How do you become a great basketball player? How many free shots, how many free throws do you take, you know, and miss and miss and miss. So all these things take dedication and effort and they start with what's in front of us. Well, spiritual life, I think it's the same way. You know, we see the saints or we see, you know, like my, my, my great grandmother who went to church every day with her babushka on and uh, that's an ethnic thing, <laughs> you know, the full head veil and, and did five rosaries a day and prayed for three hours. Like, oh, I, I, you know, it'd be great to be like that. But, but then I'll walk by, you know, or drive by a church every day and not stop in or look at my Bible and go, ah, oh, I'm too busy for that. And yet we want, we want a phenomenal relationship. We want to be strong in our faith. We want to have, you know, intimacy with God and, 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 uh, to do great things, but we neglect the little steps that, that it takes to get there that are right in front of us, whether it's whether it is that rosary or that Bible or the chapel or, or it's the person that we encounter. You know, I want to save the world, but not 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 the cashier that's in front of me. You know, they're 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 they're, they're I don't like them because they're rude. You know, and we, so we we bypass all these opportunities. You know, for the grander scale, and we don't realize that we have a God who is a a master of retests <laughs> yeah. and giving us chance time and time again to try to get it right on small things. And then we'll move you up the ladder to, to some bigger things. And everything you're talking about, Tom, about uh, getting better and more proficient at stuff reminds me of a road, which we see right here in the gospel, the winding roads. So I think uh, when we have a relationship with God, if we stick our, if you stick the words, the winding roads of life shall be made straight. And so all these, these uh, little encounters that we come upon each day, you know, the, these rough ways are just uh, ways that God can choose to sort of uh, refine us to, to get us to that end place, which is the salvation of God. So all these, this winding road of God, or this winding road in our lives that sometimes, I don't know what I'm doing here, and this is confusing. It's all God's way of ultimately leading us to Him and those rough ways, those rough ways of my personality that how I can't be uh, patient or I uh, get angry all the time. These are all just ways God can, you know, smooth out 
that we need. We have to go through these rough ways to so that he can ultimately lead us to his house. It's all, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say exactly, but it's that road of life, I guess, that we're, we're all on. Yeah, and I, I think part of that is also not just that we're on that road and that there's twists and turns and ups and downs, but that, you know, to your point, Tom, uh, fertile, that we have to get uh, we have to learn from those things and get better as we go through. It's not just a matter of, you know, and I think when you brought up about the, you know, I need to love my neighbor and, you know, love all mankind, but, you know, this cashier in front of me is a real pain. But that's the real test right there. Mm-hmm. That's the one that if we can treat that person, you know, because even Jesus even said, if you love those who love you, what merit is there in that? You know, he's almost like saying, "Well, that doesn't count. <laughs> love your enemies. That ca- that's it's almost like that's what counts." So when we get the opportunity to love somebody who's irritating or who's a, you know kind of an enemy to us in some way or another, we blow it. You know, <laughs> and it's and back to your point, Rice. One person at a time. It's those relationships, and so there's a skill level in that. You know, you talk about the grandmother with, that says the five rosary and everything. Well, you know, no, nobody starts out saying five rosaries. You got to work up to it, you know. <laughs> and I used to think of, well, they don't have anything else to do and they're just kind of stuck in a rut and that's all they can do all day is. But, you know, she started out praying one rosary probably for her family and then she had grandchildren. So she had to throw a second rosary in and then there's somebody else's, you know, one, another family, they need another rosary. So this is something that we work up to. This isn't something that we just kind of, you know, fall into and all of a sudden we're like, you don't become an, an expert violinist by just picking up the violin and starting to scratch out some notes. You know, it takes years and years to get good at it. So, But we somehow think in our spiritual life, <clears throat> we go to confession, we come out, we're supposed to be like a you know, virtuoso, you know, spiritual life saint right away, you know? And I get impatient with that, you know? I don't have time for that. You know? mm. so. And Tom Fertile, you had mentioned what's in front of us, right? And uh, I had... Had one of those wake-up calls. I was at a, a, a Catholic high school helping out for the day, and they had mass, you know, mass in the morning, and there was just only a couple stragglers in there. And I was like, wow, like how awesome of an opportunity to have daily mass in your school. And there's like two teachers and one student, and I was like, oh, man. And I'm like, you know, kind of judging, I guess, right, judging. Um, and then I stopped, and in the middle of mass, I felt the Lord talking to me. Rob, you have a chapel in your office, don't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, we do, Lord. And my real presence is there, right? The Eucharist, I'm there. Said, you were there on Wednesday, weren't you? I said, I was in the office, yeah. I said, did you come and see me? I was like, oh, no, Lord. So we have an amazing gift right here in our office. We have a chapel with Jesus and the Eucharist, real presence, right? So he's, he can't be any more accessible than being right here in our office. And uh, there's times that I'm here that I don't go down and, and stop in and hang out with Jesus just for a minute or two or just to say, hey, how you doing, right? Um, so what's in front of us? And you know, we're all made in the image and likeness of God. And um, you know, I, I just keep thinking of AMDG, right? All for the greater honor and glory of God. So that most annoying waitress or that most annoying task or whatever. Like if, if we just adopt that AMDG attitude for life, that everything we do is for the greater honor and glory of God, that it, it goes beyond ourselves. It goes beyond any person we can do anything for. It's for God. 
right? Because if we're doing it for ourselves, that won't last. If we're doing it even for another person, it might last longer than doing it for ourselves, but that's even not going to sustain us. It's AMDG, for the greater honor and glory of God, everything, every encounter, every opportunity. And it's always time getting back to what's in front of me, what's in front of me to, who's in front of me to love, what's in front of me to do to show my love, and, uh, and just take it one step at a time. You made me think, Rob, like, you know, what's my excuse? Like, what's my excuse? You know, you talk about the chapel. I mean, literally, folks, for those who are listening, you know, if you've been in our office, we are sitting literally 10 feet through the wall is, is the chapel, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> um, and so what's my excuse? I think about like, reading scripture. We all know, read your scripture. What, what's my excuse? Um, well, if, if if only, what, Bibles were more accessible? Okay, well, that's not it. Well, if only, if only I could get an app on my phone that would give me a reading of the day. Well, okay, well, that's not... If only I could have it on audio, because I'm, I'm always on my car, you know? What's my excuse? And I think, you know, I think I, I feel sometimes in my life God has, you know, challenged me on that where I said, you know, if only this, well, okay, I'll give you that. And then, I, then what do I throw in? Well, if only, if only, if only that, you know, yeah. and I keep moving the, the, the goal down the line, you know, and it's to, to, to really search the heart and, and, and to say, you know, what is the excuse that I'm throwing up there? What, what's the barricade and why am I doing that? You know, what's, what's in front of me? Because in this day and age, you know, maybe there was a time when Bibles weren't accessible. Maybe the time there wasn't a, there wasn't a catechism always and there wasn't websites. But my Lord, when it comes now to learning our faith and reading our scripture and growing in our faith and finding prayers and finding resources, I think that's quite a, it's quite, I mean, we're, we're sitting yeah. in a, we're in, in amongst a warehouse of thousands of materials, <laughs> yeah. which we happily share with all of you out there. But there really is no excuse other than what I choose to, what I consciously choose to, to not, you know, do what I need to do. You know, I'm th- as you're sharing that time, I'm thinking <laughs> of the uh, the phenomenon of like when you get a pay raise, it, it somehow just like disappears into like, like <laughs> yeah, we right, spend right. up yeah, to the, right, yeah. you know, whatever we have, we spend type of thing. Yeah. And I'm thinking about that with time. Like now that my kids are getting older, they're like, they're out a little more and there's some extra time that I have. So it's like, like, do I waste that time that is now in front of me, you know, do I put on the TV or do I just chill or whatever, or do I go a mile down the road to a perpetual adoration chapel to stop in and see our Lord? Yeah. Do I turn off the TV and just hang out and read scripture? You know, so it's, you know, my dad used to say, you can tell a lot about a person by asking two questions. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? Mm-hmm. How do you spend your time? You know, and then when it's even, you know, invest, how do you invest your time? How do you invest your money? Is it for worldly things or is it for kingdom things? So, uh, and then we have yeah. so much in our lives. There's so much going on, like you were saying, like with so many Bibles, apps, books. We have all these resources. Maybe the only way we can hear God is if we go into the desert, mm-hmm. you know, go away alone. Where there's no one else, but we don't want to do that, you know, because we're so addicted to the the stimulus that's that's out there. You know, radio, TV, you know, Netflix, everything, you know. It's hard to pull ourselves out of that, to go into the desert alone with God. There's a book called The Soul of the Apostolate, and it's, uh, I think it was written for, maybe for priests and religious, but it, I think it applies to all of us. So the soul of the apostolate is prayer. No matter what your mm-hmm. apostolate is, no matter what your ministry is, the bottom line of that book is prayer. It doesn't matter what you do on the surface, the soul of the apostolate is prayer. And sometimes the busier I get with things of God, like doing things in God's name or talking about God or organizing events to honor God, like the busier I get with that, the less I'm spending in prayer. 
you know, so it's, uh, you know, it, it, I think it's a, it's a subtle, but very dangerous trap, right? That the enemy loves when good people are doing a lot of good things, especially good things in God's name, but they're not going off into the desert to be alone with him. There's a guy that is a movie producer that we met and he had stacks of books. Everybody's like, you got to read this book. You got to read this book. You got to read this book. And he's got stacks of books and he's coming you know, into his faith. And he felt the Lord just say, stop. You're reading every book except my book. Stop. Put, close the book. He said, and he felt the Lord say, don't just close the books, box them up and get them out of your office except for my word. And for the next 30 days, just you and me, mano a mano, just you and me in the word and, and get to know me through my word. Get to know me through my word. So it takes intentionality to break away and go into the desert. But the soul of our apostolate, whether it's, you know, whether we're single, married, in ministry, whatever our act of, uh, you know, of service is, without prayer, it's going mm-hmm. to crumble. One of the things I've found very helpful in, in my spiritual life is, uh, and this this is a bit of a promotion for uh, that. Years ago, I became a lay Dominican, and there's a process you have to go through. I mean, it's not like joining the Rotary Club where you pay your dues and you're in. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's there's formation and there's you know you start out as a novice and you have to progress through stages. It takes about three or four years to mm-hmm. till you can you know profess finally. But one of the things I found out is that there's certain, you know, when you agree to become a Dominican, there's certain requirements that you have. You get benefits, spiritual benefits, but uh, we pray the office, you know, every day. We pray the liturgy, the hours, morning prayer, and evening prayer. And then as we progress, we're challenged to pray the office of the readings and night prayer. So there's four times where I'm Mm -hmm. being exposed to the Psalms, uh, to parts of Scripture, and more often than not, over the years, over the last ten or fifteen years that I've been praying these things, um, I find that the scriptures come alive. And so when mm-hmm. I go to the gospel, because I have this, I have these bites, you know, three or four times a day. When I go to the scriptures, they're much more alive for me because they're part of my prayer, not just part of a study, you know, component. And there is a study component to our, you know, to our ministry. And there's an apostolate because you know we're the order of preachers, so that's one of the things that. You know, we pray to be able to share the fruits of our prayer and study with people in preaching. So I would encourage people to find some type of a discipline to get yourself started on that because we start out on our own little thing and then, you know, it, it just kind of falls apart. Mm. But if you have some, if you're in a community and they encourage you to keep going and challenge you, I think it's worthwhile. In the, in the natural, desert dries things out. In the supernatural, going to the desert will fill you up, will enliven you, right? So let's take that invitation. Let's go out into the desert to meet our Lord, to allow him to fill us up. God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a Mission of Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you 
to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.